drop my face with. Good morning, everybody, um, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. Uh, my name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is uh, July uh, uh, 9th, um, and... Uh, in 2020, and uh, today we're going to be reading from the big book, and we're on page XVII. Where is my yoga turn? XVII, the first paragraph, hence the two men. We're going to be reading one paragraph. Um, today's readers are Pity R, Nancy P, Barbara P, um, and for the steps and traditions, Linda D. and Marie D. Um, so uh, uh, the reference numbers for yesterday, which is uh, the uh, 8th of July, the for the uh, 7 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time meeting was 14,943, and for the... Uh, 10 a.m. meeting was 14,948. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals uh, who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive, over, compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through this 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's uh, fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask um, Linda D. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Team Thursday. This is Linda D. The 12 suggested steps. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
9, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Okay, thank you. Next, we have uh, Marie D., and she's going to read the 12 traditions for us. Marie. Good, good morning, everyone. Marie D. here with the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and, and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence require, requirement for sharing on topping. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly related to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book uh, on page, uh, XVII, uh, uh, the first paragraph that starts, hence the two men. 
Uh, I'm now going to ask uh, Hoodie R to uh, begin reading. Thank you very much, oh. Craig. Okay. Hi, this is Hadiya, a recovered compulsive overeater. Hence the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot um, about the history here of this AA number three, um, and the story is also written in the back of the book, um, on page 182, his story, Bill D. But I really wanted to hear focus on... um, it says here, there are many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. And, you know, um, with my – and then in the beginning when it says, like, they almost worked frantically. They set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the, swar- in the war- ward. And, you know, it's not – it's not a, um, you know, I, um, I have recovered from this, from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I go out and I carry this message of recovery, um, this, this program, the 12 steps, to the best of my ability. And you know what? I don't do any success. It's my higher power. It's the, it's, it's, it's the higher power that he, you know, it's, it's something greater than me. It's a power greater than me that does the, and, um, that does the successes, and you know, just because you know, I could work with someone else, and to me, to my eyes, it seems like okay, yet yeah, another fail. I failed another sponsee, and I start, begin working with more sponsees, and they they keep falling off the hay wa- the wagon. You know what? I do not produce recovery, and who does recovery? You know, no one. Could, if you if you really are ready and and desperate enough and totally out of options, then no one could stop you from recovering. It's, you, you only, there's only two requirements for you to recover. You know, you have to, the only person, you know, no, no sponsor. You could have the best sponsor, no sponsor, no meeting, nothing could get you recovered. It's your willingness, it's your desperateness. When you're, when you're beaten down to the pulp, then you're going to take some action to do something different and recover and you know what it says later on, you know, in working with others, you know, practical experience shows that nothing will ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. And that is my goal, that is my primary purpose today, is to go out frantically, intense, with intensity, working with other people, carrying this message of recovery, so that, you know what, I get more than, I, than um, when I work with another person. I maintain my abstinence. I maintain my recovery as I continue to live in 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. It's work. It's work because faith without works is dead. But you know what? I had to take that action and continually keep to this primary purpose, working with other people, sharing this message of recovery to the, to the next compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Okay. Thank you, Hoodie. Um, next, we're going to take shares from people that will volunteer. Uh, if you've shared in the last couple of days, which means Tuesday or Wednesday on uh, uh, either meeting, then uh, we ask you to uh, stand back and 
let uh, let some other voices be heard. So, that being said, Jackie who would B? like to share? On the Jackie, Jackie B. Katie Alf is UK. Amy G. Katie Alf. Karen K. Nancy P. Liz UK. Geneva P. Hold on, let me let me. I, I'm having some trouble hearing some of you, but who I have so far is Jackie B, Katie F, uh, Karen K, I think it was, and Nancy P. Amy G. I'm sorry, what? Who else? Charles H. Geneva P. Need a P. How about we get one more? Do you get Amy G? Amy? Yeah. Nope. Okay, I got you now. All right. Um, who I have is uh, Jackie B, Katie F, Karen K, I think it was, Nancy P, Charles H, Vanita P, and Amy G. So, um, Let's get started. Go ahead, Jackie. Jackie B. Jackie B, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Chris? I can now. I can now. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you so much, everyone, for your service and your recovery today, one day at a time. I'm just very blessed today um, because with all the things that are happening in my life today, you know, my husband being ill, uh, my daughter going off to college in about two weeks, um, these are all amazing things that I got through recovery and experiences. And I can only share it with other compulsive overeaters to know that even with all this, I still am available to sponsor. I am still available to take calls and 10 steps and 11 steps. And I'm still available to do my meetings and to share with other people my experience. Because as chaotic and as crazy and as wonderful and everything, if left to my own devices, I will eat a bus full of food um, and more. But I don't do that today because I realize that where I really belong that fills the heart, that, feel, that fills my whole internal self is to share with another person my experience and tell you, you know what? It's okay to feel what you feel. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean you're good. Doesn't mean anything other than you're alive, you have integrity, and you can be present. Once you go through the steps, you give it to another person. And you, I'm just so, I don't know if I'm getting it all out the way I want to, but you're talking to, you're listening to someone who has gratitude today, that I like who I am. Even when people say negative things about me, I like who I am today because I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable for my behaviors, not anybody else's, and I don't look to other people. And when I do look to other people to fulfill me, that's when I have to go share with another person, and then that's when I have to make amends because sometimes I say things and do things that 
harm other people, not knowingly. Sometimes it's not knowing. But you know what? I'm here. I'm experiencing. And I'm abstinent. The food is not calling me. God is calling me one day at a time. And I work these steps through the big book because I need it so that I can be present for other people. I can only hold other people if I have other people holding me and if I have God holding me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. I pass. Did you call on me, Okay, Not yet. I was was trying to unmute. Um, Next, we have uh, uh, Kathy S. Yeah, this is Katie F. Good morning, Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, I love this paragraph, and the part that um, Hoodie brought out is, you know, there are hard, not, sorry, I don't have the book in front of me, but just that it's heartwarming when people actually take to this program. And, you know, I don't mean to be negative to the, you know, there's possibly hundreds of people on this line or hundreds of people who will listen to this recording today who have not recovered. And, you know, we're not saying that you don't have a chance, but the reality is that, you know, if I, if I look back over the over three decades that I've been absent, there are just so many people that I have worked with. And what, where are they now? I have no idea. Yes, there are a sprinkling of, you know, one person from, you know, my first year, another from the fifth year, another from the 10th, from the 15th and the 20th and on. But it's not hundreds of people that I know of that I have talked to that are recovered. But the person that is still recovered is me. And I talked to someone the other day who had, uh, you know, thought they could leave these rooms and go on their merry way, and they had a binge worse than they've had in over two years. And they said they had forgotten what it was like. And, you know, the reality is because I work with newcomers all the time, I'm not too busy. I'm not too recovered to remember what it was like to share my experience, strength, and hope. I remember what it was like, and I don't have to go back there and find out how bad it could be because I am convinced that it could be much worse. I was only 27 years old when I got abstinent. Um, so do the math. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> about to leave my 50s, and, uh, and I'm still recovered. And, you know, as we, I only lost 70 pounds. I mean, I never used to put an only in front of that, but now I realize that I could have gained to 150 pounds, 200 pounds overweight. We hear those numbers all the time. And I don't have to go back there because I remember exactly what it was like to be that newcomer, to be um, glassy-eyed from um, sugar and to be, you know, just face down in the food and not able to put one hour together of abstinence. And so because of that reality, I can share that with others and they too can recover. Um, And I don't have some magic formula that I share this magic formula with every person I talk to and every person gets abstinence. It just doesn't work that way. And I don't know why. I don't know what it takes to be, um, to need to, to hit bottom for someone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Next, we have... What was your uh, name? 
What was the name of the show who just spoke? That was KDF. Um, next, we have Karen K, and she'll be followed by Nancy P. Karen? Good morning. I'm Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York. I'm a compulsive eater and my credits don't transfer. All I know is um, my way didn't work. I got the gift of desperation when I came into um, OA, and um, I just found you guys in, um, sometime in May, and um, I'm ready to get together with my sponsor today, and hopefully I'll be able to start taking some numbers and helping people. But the point is... Um, there was a person in my life, uh, I, I, you know, I was really trying to help and encourage, but what I was doing, I was interfering with their bottom. So there are, um, what we say here is sometimes you have to walk over some bodies. It sounds kind of harsh, but I can't force this recovery on anybody. All I can do is share my extreme strength and hope, how I was sponsored, my extreme strength and hope, and then just keep moving forward and keep those people in my prayers because sometimes I was the body that got walked over and it may sound kind of harsh. Um, it's just been my, it's just been my experience. There's plenty of people on this line and newcomers that want to help and have the gift of desperation, but that I'll pass. Okay. Thank you very much. Next up we have, um, Nancy P followed by Charles H. Nancy. Hey, Craig. Good morning. Thanks for letting me share. This is Nancy P., uh, recovered compulsive overreader calling in from West Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah, I loved um, what Hoodie said about um, frantic work. When I finished the steps, my sponsor cut me loose immediately. She said, now tomorrow I want you to, you know, you're ready to take people on. And I said, whoa, 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 let's not get into anything too quick. I said, I have a better idea. Let's do a cycle like you and me again. And she laughed, you know, right in my face. She said, that's a terrible idea for me and for you. And the next day somebody called me up and said, hi, so-and-so told me that you were available to sponsor. And I said, okay. And I can say that today, um, you know, two and a half or so years later, um, I sponsor very differently than I did back then. But um, the joy of my life is to do that because, again, as Hoodie said and as I said, nothing, zero, is more effective than intensive work with other alcoholics, other compulsive overeaters. And, you know, I used to think that sponsoring would be to be talking about myself, and I didn't necessarily think that was a bad thing because I'm self-centered, but... um, Today, when I sponsor, I don't talk about myself. I talk about the steps, and I talk about my experience. Um, and so, thus, you know, I stay recovered. It's as simple as that. It's this, you know, nothing in this book is is difficult. They repeat it over and over and over again. They say what it is. They say what the solution is and how to do it, and then they just keep saying the same thing in different ways to make sure that um, that we get it. And um, somebody said the other day, they were talking about this book like a textbook, and I I was sharing on the phone with somebody that um, I look at it, a textbook is for people who know, who understand that they need to learn something. For me, it's more like I'm like a druid. You know, I, I put place all kinds of significance in this book for my life, you know, to, to stay recovered beyond, I think, 
sometimes what the book says. I mean, I trust the book. I trust the book. I trust the book. That's what I say all the time to my sponsees. And um, the best way for me to stay recovered is to work with other compulsive overeaters. Yeah, I'm frantic. I'm desperate to do that. And um, no force on earth has kept me from recovering because of that desperation. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, next, we have uh, uh, was that Nancy? That was Nancy, right? And next, we have Charles H. followed by Vanita P. Thank you, Craig, for your service. Charles H. A recovered composer over here. I love that where it says alcoholics number three. Well, it says he recovered immediately. Let me go to a vision for you with some earmarks and some more amplification on how how this thing happened. It, it says. Uh, there was a prospect, all right. It gives you his description. He he was, you know, like eight times, right? Eight times in the last six months. He beat up a couple of nurses. But here's the good news. They put him in a private room, and, it's, and we're talking about Bill D. It says, two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassily at the strangers. They said, we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. Hopelessness was written large on the man's face. And and he only chitter-chattered for a couple of paragraphs. He was like, you know, I used to be strong for the church. I got drunk on the way home. But for an hour, the two men told him about their drinking experience, and he identified over and over and said, that's me. I drink like that. And it says the man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered how it deteriorated the body and the alcoholic warped and how it warped his mind. He said, and he kept identifying. So, so it says, and then later on it says on the third day, it says next day found a prospect uh, more receptive. So here's some more time periods of how this guy recovered immediately. He set aside, he said he used to be strong for the church, but he set that aside for a new experience. And once he did that, I love this paragraph, on the third day, the lawyer gave his life and care of direction to his creator. He said the afternoon he put, that, that afternoon he put his clothes on and walked out the hospital a free man. He almost won the political campaign, and he, he, he was helping other people. He set aside what he thought he knew, which was step two. And he turned his life over, which he, he worked the program, and he continued to help other people. And 19 years of sobriety without another drink, that shows us that I don't got to be frantic. I don't got to be crazy. I know in the beginning, and then real quick, it says three people, him, him Dr. Bob, and, and Bill W., visited the Devil May Care fellow. And a year and a half later, they were followed with several more cases. There was many failures. I think those earmarks are happening today. There are many failures. But if you just take that simple attitude that you can't do it yourself and set aside what you think you know, you can have success like Bill D and, and the rest of those guys. The fellowship was what made it happen. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I was already unmuted. Um, next, we have uh, Vanita P., followed by Amy G., and then we'll take some new names. Hi, I'm Geneva P. from Chicago, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thanks, Geneva. 
um, you know, I wanted to share. I remember years before I started dabbling in OA, I was at a buffet, um, which is something I no longer do. But, um, you know, I was looking around the restaurant and I realized that truly I am a 500 pound person in a much smaller body. And left to my own devices, like someone previously said, I will eat a bus. And, you know, I'm always looking to find that, that sense of ease and comfort that my disease tells me is going to come with the next bite. And the shame and the guilt and the incomprehensible demoralization that come, um, that's the reality for me if I choose to, you know, move back into relapse. And I came into the program um, about two and a half years ago. And I have been, I, I try to be gentle with myself because you're really taking all of these years and a certain way that you've looked up, you know, at food and completely like someone else said, setting aside everything you think you know and stepping into the fourth dimension. Um, when I was in treatment, we were told that most people don't make it. And the numbers we were given were, you know, maybe one in 37 people, um, actually find and stay in recovery. And that was really a sobering fact for me. And I've seen people come and go and come and go. And for me today, all I need to know is that today I am willing I want to be abstinent today and I'm learning, you know, my sponsor tells me, Geneva, you don't know how to feel your feelings. This is about when we first started working together, she said, this is a disease of relationships. And I thought, well, you know, that's fine for you. Just tell me what I need to eat so I can lose the weight and get back into my clothes. And God has given me this opportunity to move through a relationship and the ending of this relationship and really see, you know, I mean, I thought I was more recovered than this. And all of a sudden, all my defects of character were right out in the forefront, um, ruling this relationship. And I had to, you know, take a look at what I was eating over. And so I don't, um, I'm not ready to sponsor anyone in OA yet, but what I do feel, because I, I really believe in service and it fills my heart and it gives me what I need to, you know, really start to build a firm foundation on my program is, you know, do I show up at meetings? Do I share? You know, do I ex explain, you know, through the language of the heart, what's going on in my world? And I believe that that can definitely be a form of service. You know, maybe somebody picks up and hears something that I share that that applies to them. So I'm just, I, I am frantic today in the sense that I don't want to go back and binge. I had a binge a couple weeks ago and, oh, you know, it does not get better. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you that idea that the, the reality that hit me was, I, I could not stop even though I wanted to. And that scared the crap out of me. So here I am one day at a time. I'm super grateful for this meeting. It has such strong recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, 
And was that uh, that was Geneva, right? We still have Amy G to go. Amy. Hi, hi, Craig. This hi. is Amy G, recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thanks so much for your service. What an awesome meeting. So I looked up the word frantically, and I found it really interesting because it said here, conducted in a hurried, excited, chaotic way, typically because of the need to act quickly. And what I love about this is that frantically, I mean, they knew that they needed to do service. They needed to work with the still struggling alcoholic. And I think what's interesting, you know, in working with others, it says nothing ensures immunity from drinking but intensive work with other alcoholics. There's a need there. There's a frantic and an, and an urgency and a need, and they knew that they had, it, they had to do that. Why? Well, to me, in my understanding, is that, you know, by nature, I am selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, right? And nothing, all I want to do is focus on me. But when I focus on you and helping you, I get out of myself. And I identify in. I never forget where I came from when I'm working with a newcomer because you remind me where I was and where I don't want to be. And I think there's a tendency sometimes for us to be so focused on the how we sponsor instead of the we need to sponsor. To these guys, it was more important to them their need to sponsor than how they went about it. Frantic, chaotic. I mean, look, they didn't even have a book. They don't even have what we have today, a book, instructions, meetings, fellowship. They just knew that they had to get out there and give it away in order to keep it and stay sober themselves. And it's reinforced here. It says many failures, occasional success. So what that's telling me is that there's more failures in sponsorship than there is success. And for me, I have found that to be the case in my decades of sponsoring. There are more failures than there are success. My job is not to accumulate numbers and be the most awesome sponsor there is. My job is to carry a message of depth of weight, so one that I stay sober and can continue to carry the message. It's God's job. And that person, it's between that person and their higher power. I'm just the vehicle. And that in, 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 in most cases, there will be more failures. I'm just a seed planter. I'm just a vehicle. That's all I do because, one, I need to stay sober and abstinent myself. That's what sponsorship is about. But in so doing, I am available because I know that my need to sponsor is more important than how well I sponsor because I need to be out there on the firing line. And that's what these guys did. They were on the firing line, regardless of how well they thought they were sponsoring. They just suited up and showed up and put themselves out there. Have I learned how to sponsor better over the years? Of course I have. Practice is what did that. So that's what we do. We put ourselves out there on the firing line. We stay sober. God does the rest. And we continue to carry the message. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Amy. Next, we're going to take another list of names. If, again, I remind you that if you've uh, shared in the last couple of days that we ask you to pull back and, and allow the, uh, somebody else a chance to get their voice out there. So who would like to share? Susan. So Susan Pauline H. Pauline right, well, Susan H. Pauline B. Vasa O. Tom A. Vasa. Anne Marie uh, M. Who who was that? It was a Ken H or Sophia Sophia J. Maya uh, K. Uh, wait a minute. I, I still didn't. Sophia J. Was that what that was? Yes. Yes. 
So P H I A. Thank you. All right, and then it was an Anne. Anne Marie. Anne Marie. Tom uh, A. Tom A. All right. Maya K. Maya, I'm not going to guarantee you we'll get to you, so I'm going to stop there. Uh, Susan H., so go ahead and get us started. Susan H., and you're going to be followed by Pauline B. Okay, I'm unmuted again. <laughs> this is All Susan right. H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio, and I'm so grateful to be that. And isn't it just, again, a God thing that uh, as I am finding myself fancyless, we're talking about the necessity and the frantic nature of how they desperately tried to help. And, you know, it, it points to what is there for me to help myself. Um, I am happy, joyous, and free, but I know that I will never just be a normal eater. That's, that's not, I have a disease that didn't go away. It's there and it's waiting for me if I choose it. It's, it's such a crazy paradox that uh, to, to help myself, I need to get out of myself and choose to focus on others and how I might help them. But in doing this, it helps me, and it keeps me abstinent, and it gives me that happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it, well, you know, to give myself away as a hippie, it blows my mind. It's, it's, it's a paradox, and it's amazing. And I am so grateful for the mystery that has, has entered my life. So um, I'm available again, and uh, I'm very grateful. And I pass. Okay, thank you very much. Next we have Pauline B. And she's going to be followed by Vasa O. Yes, this is Pauline T. From Long Island, New York. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The message for me this morning from this reading um, is in that last sentence that the first group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. The fact that um, our founders went out without a plan. They were frantic. They were chaotic. All they did was take that first step, and then the big plan unfolded. They did their little part. God did God's big part. That's how my whole life has unfolded. I've been in program 47 years and I had no idea where I was going to go, no idea the things that I built that I would be able to build on the foundation that I have been given in this book. Uh, I'm in the senior years now and um, lost my husband last year, walked away from my, um, my work, 
of 30 years due to the COVID. And I'm learning how to build this part of my life, keep it filled. The loneliness sometimes is overwhelming. And yet I know that all I have to do is my small part. I'll get myself out in the morning to take that walk, not wanting to do it, but knowing that I'll feel better. Coming here, always wanting to be here, and gaining much more than I could ever give. I pass. Okay, thank you. Uh, next, we have Vasa O, and Vasa will be followed by Sophia. I don't thank have you. the last. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa. Grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive over Ida. Thank you for your service and everybody's service this morning. And I'm so grateful that OA was formed before I came to over Ida's Anonymous. Uh, I'm just, I have. Um, I've been so many years into the food addiction, and this was my last hope. I remember saying, "If this doesn't work, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna die. It's just gonna kill me." So I was ready and I was willing. And they say when the teach, when the student is ready, the teacher is gonna appear. And I remember my sponsor saying to me, "You're so easy to sponsor," because I was willing. I was willing to do whatever it took, you know. And and it does work. It does really work. And the, you know, again, I came with the big book. She handed me the big book, and it was like a gift from God. You know, the book, the, you know, the programs, the sponsorship. I remember her saying to me, "Now you can go and sponsor after two or three weeks of being abstinent." I said, "I can't do this. I'm. I don't know. I'm not good enough." She said, yes, you're good enough. You can share how you became abstinent. And I said, well, the, you know, the reason I became abstinent because I was ready and willing to surrender to a higher power greater than myself, but I was shy. I, you know, God, God, I, I didn't want any part of God. But then I heard this is a spiritual program. It's not a religious. And that's what really attracted me to the program you know, the spirituality. And this is my treatment, my medicine coming to the programs, and this is the only thing that has worked for me. And I keep coming, and I have been sponsoring, and I've had sponsors over my lifetime. And um, again, they come, they go. I've seen them die. I see them being deep in their depressions and their diseases, but God is the, I, I cannot fix other people's lives. I can only be a power of example, and I'm doing what God is doing for me, not because I had, I had the power or the strength to do it. The only thing I needed to do at the beginning is just to surrender, step one. I can't do this by myself. Higher power, God, whoever you are there, please, help me. And that has been, I have never left the program 34 years by the grace of God, abstinent. I put this up, that's my, I put the food down and I don't want to ever, ever pick it up because, because I'm always uh, connected with people that are into the food. Why would want to go back there again? 
No way. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, next up, we have um, Sophia. Hi, uh, hi, thank you. It's Sophia uh, J, uh, compulsive reader. This is my first time sharing on this meeting, and I just wanted to share because I had a. I came back into these rooms at twenty eight, uh, twenty. Uh, 18 in November the 20, uh, 2018, and I had a sponsor. I was so desperate when I got on the phone line, the OA phone line. I was, it was a night meeting, and I was so desperate. I was all out of options. I was 400 pounds, and I, I couldn't move. I couldn't do my job. I'm a nurse, and I need to be on my feet, and I can no longer stand on my feet. The weight was just too much. I couldn't even properly take care of myself. So I was desperate. And I had a frantic sponsor. Oh my gosh, she was so. And I said to myself, "She's so, she's so frantic." But I was so desperate, and literally, I would have did anything. I couldn't walk, but if she'd have asked me to run, I would have tried to run because that's just how desperate I was to get this program to get some help. And she was frantic. She took me through those steps in three weeks. Within those three weeks, my life was never ever the same. I never, ever saw food again like that. And she told me, as long as you live in these steps, you're safe. And to this day, I'm no longer with that same sponsor. I've moved on to a different program. But since that day, I've lived in steps 10 and 11 and 12. And thank God, since November 2018, 2018, I've never compulsively ate again. But I live in those steps, and I frantically live in those steps. And I live, in in my 12 steps, I live it. You know, I, I'm a living example. I, I, I nurse, my fellow colleague told me yesterday, she said, you're almost at Wonderland, Sophia. I said, what's, what's Wonderland? And she said, Wonderland, you're, gonna, you're almost under the 200 club. You know? But I thought, you know, I smiled, you know, I chuckled because when I get to Wonderland, that'll be the first time I would have been in Wonderland in my adult life, and I'm 54 years old. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm very uh, happy today, and I'm just as desperate as I was when I came back to these rooms in 2018. And I'm just as frantic as my sponsor was to give it away to somebody else because I know that's how I keep it. And and I'm grateful today. Life's not easy. I lost my mother's uh, May the 9th. You know, I went with my daughter to have a surgery yesterday, you know. But it's nothing worth eating over the day. That's not going to solve the problem. The pickup food is not going to solve the problem. You know, the answer comes from from my higher power today. When I ask, you know, show me the next right move to make. It's not going to that food. You know, it's going to something, the only thing that can help me today. Food can't help me today. You know, man can't help me today. You know, but I know somebody who would, who can, and that's who I go to, and that's my higher power. And uh, and, and and living in those steps. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you all for letting me share. All right. Thank you, Sophia. Next up, we have Anne-Marie, uh, and uh, she'll be followed by Tom A. Anne-Marie? Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service. This is Anne-Marie M., uh, recovered compulsive overeater, gratefully through God's grace. And um, 
yeah, I heard a lot of good things today, and I know that the sponsoring has helped me immensely. Uh, I remember the first time my sponsor uh, had suggested that I give somebody a call and see um, see how she's doing, and I just thought, I have nothing to offer this person. You know, I, I, I remember thinking, I have my own problems. How am I going to help her? And once I got on the phone and I started listening to what was going on with her, my my problems like fell fell aside, and I was just uh, graced. I think that's the word I have to use is graced to be able to see that maybe I could give some offer something to this person. And I, you know that that thought of um, I'm I'm not good enough to sponsor. I don't know enough. What am I going to do? I don't have it. You know. Um, I had my own problems. That was that was totally selfishness, but that was my ego that really needed to be smashed. And as you know, continue working through the problem uh, through the steps. Um, every day, my ego was chiseled away, and um, and it's continuing to be chiseled away. I, I don't know if it'll ever ever stop because I have to continue working these steps, and I do have a, I do have an ego, and I have to uh, make sure that um, I stay connected to God so that I am right sized. The other thing that I realized that when I am sponsoring, I am not alone. God, I found within myself. They talk about that. I think on, on page fifty-five, um, we found God deep down within us. And that's where my God is, and he's always with me. And when I have a question or I have, you know, I have a sponsee ask me something, and I just say, God, help me with this one. Help me with this answer. The answers come. When I ask, I have, I have the answers. It's amazing. The last person I sponsored, I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I took her through the 12 steps in the big book, and there was nothing that was going to stop this lady. I mean, she just wanted it. She was desperate, and she wanted it. There was nothing. It was nothing that I did. I just followed the directions, like somebody had brought me through the the book, and and she wanted it. She was desperate. And I, the the feelings that I got whenever I when I, we did it over the phone, but I could actually see a light bulb go off in her head when something snapped and she realized something. You know, um, one of the things we had we were talking about was uh, when we first started talking was about the, the food. And I said, what about the ingredients serving that food? And she said, oh, the ingredients. She said, I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, just simple, something as simple as that. But God has been with me the whole time, and I just. And besides God, I have my sponsor. I've, I've called my sponsor and say, "Hey, this is what's going on with this lady. Do you have any ideas on what I could do to help?" I can't do this alone. Never. Not, not, no part of this um, program I can do alone. And I'm grateful that I'm never alone because God is always within me and always by my side. It's amazing. He's an awesome God. He can be within me and by my side at the same time, and He's with everyone else too. So. Um, I'll pass, and I just I just can't say enough for spreading um, sponsoring the 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 joy that I get out of it. I know people say that over and over again, but it's honestly true. It's been true for me, so I'll pass. Thanks, Craig. Okay, thank you. Um, next, we have Tom A. And if we have any time, 
We'll finish with Maya K. Tom? Hi. Yeah, this is Tom, a recovering compulsive eater. Really appreciate this meeting and the focus on the big book and how it works. Uh, I am uh, relatively new to this meeting. I, I uh, really appreciate the enthusiasm for the message that it's a simple message in some ways. Uh, admit defeat and ask for help and work with others. And uh, that's what Dr. Bob and Bill did. Uh, they both admitted defeat. And uh, as soon as they found each other, then in this next, in this paragraph we just read, they knew they needed to get out and work with others. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all the reminders this morning about, and, and the, in the paragraph where it says there are more failures than successes. And it was hard for Bill Wilson as a salesman to admit the failures or to admit that things were not working. And I've come to not think about them as so much as failures as not yet. And I don't know when somebody's going to get it or uh, my higher power is in charge of, of uh, recovery. I'm in charge of carrying the message. And, and it sets me up for feeling bad about myself when I think about success and failure. Uh, any, our primary purpose is to carry the message. It's not to uh, chalk up uh, how many people we sponsored or uh, how many people fully recovered. Our primary purpose is to carry the message. And over time, that message uh, helps people to recover. And so that, that is my focus, is uh, making sure that anyone anywhere knows that OA exists. And I think it's important to take this story and to remember that Roseanne had the same story. Uh, she found other compulsive eaters. She went to Gamblers Anonymous to get help. And that we need to all be open to whatever I need to be open to what help I need. And uh, and sponsoring uh, and, and helping people to, to uh, explore their desperation without telling them what to do. I, I was just writing this morning about rebellion. And the book says that we're rebellious by nature. And I grew up in a, with a mother who was very dominant and went to a school where I was told what to do. And I just learned to ignore people and ignore rules and do what I wanted just part of the self-centeredness and being a sponsor and trusting a higher power and surrendering and saying that I will be done uh, and reaching out to others helps me get over my rebellion and just accept life on life's terms. And when I do that, I, I can learn to love more deeply. And I think ultimately that's what these steps teach me. It's how to love more deeply and how to connect with people and, uh, and at the same time, I get the grace and privilege of staying abstinent one day at a time. So thanks for letting me share. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Um, that's uh, all we're going to have time for today. May I be uh, welcome to stay and share in the second hour uh, if you would like. So thanks to everybody who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for the meeting that's just concluding is 14,952-14952. Um, 
Okay. Um, and, that, and that's today's date is July 9th, 2020. Um, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Let's see. Will uh, Nancy P. Uh, please uh, read from us from A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Nancy? Sure. Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts, Recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.